Y'all know what it means to ruminate? How do with its cut? Keep on shooting. Keep on shooting. That's right. There's some things seem to be pretty basic in Scripture. But one of the interesting things about Scripture is you can go back and find something wasn't it just the other day we heard from Brother Roy Smith? Here he's been studying God's Word. And by the way, he preached an excellent message on the inspiration of the Scripture. And even with his 63 years of preaching, a thought came to his mind in the conference and he said, I, I want to study this. Contrast that with the fellow who has a ABC snap understanding of the Bible and he says, well, I've studied that out. I can tell you all about that. Beware the expert. Beware the one who tells you, I got that one all figured out. Because we don't. I want to talk about something you may have never studied before, or you have. Hopefully, come to some same conclusions. Be turning to 2 Samuel chapter 16, please. 2 Samuel chapter 16. If I needed an alternate text for this, it was actually read by Brother Kenny in our devotion this morning. Psalm 101 verse 2 begins, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Now anybody can say something and maybe it makes some sense and maybe it's a mess. I asked my wife because I haven't seen a copy of it lately. How do you remember highlights for children? How many never heard of highlights for children? Seriously? Well, one of the features in highlights for children, they had a little strip called Goofus and Gallop. Goofus was rude and crude and selfish. He was a little piggy. He thought about himself. And he didn't care how it affected other people. And it's basically a way to tell kiddos, don't do that. Do this. Instead of being a goofus, be a gallant. And you say, what's up? Kids' story got to do with the scripture. I want you to know that God's word is perennially fresh and speaks to our needs. Amen. And uh, sometimes I get a little bug for a sermon. 
and it just kind of goes to the back of my mind and I ruminate. I just chew on that. Not quite ready to speak on it, speak to it. It speaks to me, but before I have something to say. But I believe the Lord has exercised me to give you something. Hopefully it will be a blessing to you. If, if this approaches differently from sometimes you've been thinking, that's okay because God does challenge our thinking. 2 Samuel chapter 16, we read verses 5 through 13. We talk about a guy named Shibiah. And Shibiah was sort of a snaggletooth fellow. He was a guy who was a Mr. Grumpy Grump. Things didn't go his way and he let folks know about it. Let's read verses 5-13. And when King David came to Bahirim, behold, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came. Hmm. Doesn't look like it's going to go down so well. And he cast stones at David and at all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, and in his stead thou hast reigned. The Lord hath delivered the kingdom in the hand of Absalom thy son. Behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Then said Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and Take off his head. And the king said, What have I to do with you, ye sons of Zeruiah? So let him curse, because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse David. Who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? David said to Abishai and all his servants, Behold my son, which came forth out of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone. Let him curse. For the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction and that the Lord will require me good, requite me good for his cursing this day. And as David has been went by the way, Shimei went along on a hillside over against him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and cast dust. If you live long enough, you will learn that you will make enemies. My wife is, I think, still reading a book about Churchill. And Mr. Churchill said, you have enemies? Good, that means you're doing something. See, the people that just go through life, la-dee-da. They don't tend to make a whole lot of enemies. People might think they're a fool, but they don't spend a whole lot of time kicking them around or anything. But it's the people who take a stand 
on issues that other people don't like that can get them targeted. Targeted. So, I'd like you to think about the lesson that we can learn about Shimei's dust. What's going on here? Long ago, when the Greeks were developing what they called drama, they found that with great economy, they could tell a story with one actor who would come out, and then a second actor. And then sometimes they would need a third. Many times in the Bible, and many times in life, and in literature, we find a one, and then a second, who gives a quick answer, a quick response, a knee-jerk reaction. But wait for whoever has a final word to say. In this story, it's David. And David's great son, Jesus, will likewise. I want to basically taken three places in scripture. The first is the text that we just read to think a bit about what's going on. You see, David in about half of the book of Second, Second First Samuel spent an awful lot of time taking a lot of guff and a lot of stuff from King Saul. Saul said, why don't you take on this Goliath guy? And David's fortunes increase. Meanwhile, Saul's decrease. Instead of Saul saying, I'm glad I got a guy like David in fighting on my side, he was jealous. He wanted to see him dragged down. He plotted against David. David never lifted his finger against Saul. In process of time, you get to the last chapter of 1 Samuel, and Saul and his three sons are slain on the battlefield. God made it clear Saul was his own worst enemy. Saul dug his own grave. He actually started out pretty well, but then ended in ignominy and reproach. He went from a hero to a zebra. So by the time we get to 2 Samuel, they're kind of picking up the pieces, and David says, well, we need to honor the man who was the king. And for the sake of his very special son, Jonathan, for David and Jonathan had their souls knit together. They were best buds, if you will. And so, in 2 Samuel, we're reading along how that David is the one who's exalted to become the king. Now, Jonathan was dead, and his brothers. Nobody of the immediate household of Saul was left. But he had some kinfolks, some distant kin. 
if you will. And even though David had been upright, because it was David who used of the Lord to write, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. You know, it's interesting the Lord laid that on my heart to bring out. And then I asked Brother King, what are you going to give in the devotions? Well, it's something different. When he said, I usually do Psalm 100. Well, that's always a good place to go. But I'm looking at 101. And what did I think of? 102. Something tells me that the same mind that got to Kenny got to Steve. Because David does, in this instance, behave himself wisely in a perfect way. So David, who had been upright, is challenged. What? This dead dog, this wannabe, this weasel, if you will. I liked what uh, one man referred to him. He called him the reptile of the royal house of Saul. He was a snake. This guy, Shimei. The things that he imagined, the things that he charged David with, were bogus. That stuff wasn't true. David had not been a bloody man against the house of Saul. If anything, David had said, this is the Lord's anointed. I can't. People said, why didn't you do this, David? You got the perfect opportunity. You can clean his clock. I can't do that. Because he did strive so often to behave himself wisely in a perfect way. But I want you to think first about this guy Shimei. Because he pictures, he reminds us of the challenges or conditions that can unnerve you. Sometimes this person will even rage on. He was challenged by this Shimei. Now, David had no guilt for what he had done. He'd done everything right. Believe it or not, you might be in a situation where somebody comes in and they just chew you out. They chew you one side up and down the other. One time a guy came to me and he reminded me of all the ways I messed up. And actually, I'd done a few things wrong. And so when he got through, I said, you're welcome. Because I didn't say thank you. You're right. So it's, it's so easy. It's like the fellow that did a little experiment. He said, see this? Of course, this is a blank. We'll pretend it's a blank sheet. See this blank sheet of paper? And he said, what do you see? Oh, I see a red dot. Yeah, but most of it's blank paper. What do we do? We focus on something that might bug us. Something about what's going on. Now, David had no guilt 
along the lines of what Shimei charged him. But you know what David knew? David knew he was a sinner. I have two cousins, Danny and David. Both of them were good fellows. Daniel, there's no record in Scripture that Daniel ever openly sinned where anybody else do, but Daniel knew. And even more important, the Lord knew. And so Daniel prayed. He brought offerings. He showed repentance because he knew in his heart he was a sinner. You better watch out for the man or the woman, boy or girl, who says, I, I would admit my sins if I had any. Look out, look out. But here's David. He is still going through some challenges. Even his son Absalom, the rebel who tried to bump David off. He wanted the throne for himself. So he's got some things going on in his life. And here comes this brazen, hateful, brooding caster of stones and dust, practically begging to be squashed like a bug, saying what he does. Now, keep that in mind. Go up into the New Testament, please. Uh, I ask you, who were the three apostles of the twelve? Who were the three closest to Jesus? The ones that he brought with him to the Mount of Transfiguration. The three that he took with him to the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, watch and pray. You remember which three they were? Who? Peter, James, and John. And it's those three who mouthed off or did something out of line. They weren't quite right. And people aren't quite right when they say and do the wrong things. Go to Luke chapter 9, please. Jesus is going to Jerusalem. He is weighed down by the fact that this is where he's going to be taken and accused and abused and ultimately crucified. He's on his way. But it took more than a short time to get there. So in Luke 9, reading verses 51 through 53, it tells us, when it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. His face was set as a flint. I'm going to Jerusalem. No detours! No time off. It's crunch time now. And sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. You know what the Samaritans said? <laughs> we don't want Jesus. Who does he think he is? Sending messengers ahead. And they did not receive him. Because his face was though he would go to Jerusalem. <laughs> We want him to come and park with us. Maybe they expected a miracle. Maybe they expected some great blessing. Maybe they just wanted his undivided attention. But Jesus had some business. He had an appointment with destiny in a place we call Jerusalem. 
And so they basically snubbed you. If you get around somebody who thinks they're too good to even talk to you, it happens sometimes. Sometimes you were reminding us this morning in Sunday school how that sometimes we get the idea that, I'm sorry, that was you, wasn't it? How they kind of run together. That sometimes we think we're better than somebody else. And evidently these Samaritans were that way. Well, we'll talk about James and John in a moment because they have something to say. But for right now, let's go to John chapter 18. Because now Jesus has come to the garden. John 18. And it tells us starting in the third verse that Judas comes in. Here comes Judas! With a gang armed, ready to arrest Jesus, take him in custody. And when he shows up, Jesus sees them and they're pulled back at first in verse 7. Then asked he them again, Who seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. Let these apostles, with the exception of Judas, looks to me like 11 of the apostles were there. He says, don't take them in a custody. Just take me. I'm the one you want. That the same might be fulfilled which he spake of them when which thou givest me have I lost none. And there are even others parallels. In the 1780s, a ship known as the HMS Bounty was captained by a Lieutenant William Bly. It was his first command. And he wanted to impress the Admiralty. He barked out orders. And he was, well some people say he was a jerk. He was just abusive. He would have men whipped for minor things. And he thought he was calling the shots. Made it hard for the sailors. He really did. And then, you can't relate to English history or the scripture. I think it was the longest running Western American television, Gunsmoke. In the earlier years, Matt Dillon had a sidekick, Chester Goody. And I can relate to, I used to wonder, why is this dumb guy Chester hanging around with Matt? And I had to be an adult before I figured out actually the writers knew that here's some bad guy coming along. And uh, how's Matt Dillon going to work this thing out? Well, there are various challenges that we see in Gunsmoke now, don't we? Let's think secondly of the knee-jerk reaction that people have sometimes. 
Let's go back to 2 Samuel chapter 16. Here's the king, and he's surrounded by his men, men of battle, men of action. <laughs> Some would say, who's this punk? This little nobody. As Abishai calls him a, a dead dog. This nobody is going to trash our king like this? He's eager to do something. I'm not going to stand by and let this guy talk trash to and about my king. So in verse 9, then said Abishai, the king of Zeruiah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? We don't need this. Ridiculous to even tolerate such foolishness as it. Let me go where I pray thee and take off his head. Gotta deal with this thing. Nip it in the bud, as uh, Barney Fife would say on Andy Griffith. But I want you to know that knee-jerk reactions aren't always the best way to go. I told you about James and John and Jesus on his way to Samaria here in Luke chapter 9 when the Samaritans said huh, we don't want this Jesus guy miracle worker he doesn't have time to work miracles for us now he doesn't have time to do what we want we, he's going to drop in while we have plans and all this and they felt snug and the sons of thunder, the two brothers who were apostles, James and John, they got really miffed when the men of Samaria said, well, big deal, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And they said, they ought to pay for that. What was their knee-jerk reaction? Look at verse 54. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? Well, all we got to do is speak the word, and God will roast them and toast them right here. Had a little boy in the Christian school we operated there in Roseville. I was reading a certain passage about some people acting very unwisely toward the Lord. It tells us that when Jesus said, the damsel has got dead, she sleeps. Instead of the people said, tell me more. They laughed into scorn. And this little boy says, Jesus should have turned him into toads for that. It made me think of what James and John said. Should we call fire down and roast and toast them for making a crap for snubbing you? Likewise, in John 18, these come in with Judas to arrest Jesus. And only one of the apostles, this time it's Simon Peter, he decides. I'm going to do something. It's time for somebody to do something. What was his knee-jerk reaction? Look at verse 10. 
Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it. You know, sometimes people say, what was he doing with a sword? For the record, I don't mind. There might be somebody who's armed with a sword. That's not a problem for me. Somebody said, did you know? I said, well, it's kind of good to know. Not a problem. But he had a sword. He knew how to use it. So instead of pulling out <clears throat> stabbing the chief guard or hacking off the head of a priest or something like that, he pulls the thing out and smote the high priest servant and cut off his right ear. Somebody'd say, smooth move there, Peter. Your one blow didn't really accomplish a whole lot now, did it? Sometimes the knee-jerk reaction of men tells you what's going on inside them. I mentioned that aboard HMS Bounty, there was a real doofus of a captain, William Block. And things got so bad that the men mutinied. And they had Bly. There were more of them than they were loyal to Bly. And uh, one of the fellows steps up there, and now that he's got the captain bound, so he's, what should we do? What should we do? And I remember as a little kid, it made an impression on me. He said, I say we slit his throat and throw him to the shots. The knee-jerk reaction. That's the way people can be. And I mentioned old Matt Dillon. He's got Chester tagging along. And some bad guys, they have something going on. And Chester will, Mr. Dillon, why don't we? Because the quick reaction, the knee-jerk response to what's going on. I think those examples from Scripture and from our experience helps us to relate a little bit. I want you to know something. James 1.19 says, Let every one of us be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. How would you react if someone came to somebody that you regarded so highly? They talked trash. You'd be like, Abishai? Well, nobody's going to talk to my king like that. Nobody's going to talk to my so-and-so like that. I won't let him do it. David, a man after my own heart, what does he say? Well, let's think about the other, those other sources first. When the one sailor said concerning Captain Bly, I say we slit his throat and throw him to the sharks, they turned to the man who was by default the leader of the men now. His name just happened to be Fletcher Christian. 
Now, a lot of things you see in the movies are made up, but the mutiny aboard the HMS Bounty really happened. And Fletcher Christian said there's been enough bloodshed. Bly and all those loyal to him will live. They put him in a boat and gave him food and water and even gave him some instruments so they could navigate and find their way. They didn't kill him. They didn't torture him. It's interesting that his name just happened to be Christian. Was he a Christian as far as being born again? I have no idea. But he was willing to moderate. He had a cooler, kinder response. And similarly, I mentioned Marshall Dillon. You know, old Chester, he's ready to charge hell with a squirt gun, so to speak. And Marshall said, no, no, let's not do that. Let's do this instead. So next time you're watching an early version of Gunsmoke, watch for that because I think that comes out more than once. Let's go back to David. 2 Samuel chapter 16. Abishai says, let me just chop off his head. We can make short shrift to this. David said to Abishai, this is verse 11, My son which came forth out of my bolt, thou will seek of my life. You know, I got a boy who's trying to clean my clock. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? This guy who's a distant relative who thinks I have been dishonored and my family, we, we should be the ones ruling as king of Israel. What's this? This usurper David come along. This bloody man, this son of Belial. Those things weren't true, but you know when a person's all bent out of shape, and they're on a crusade, so to speak, they're on the war path, to them they think it's real. And that's old Shimei here. And what did David say? Let him alone and let him curse. For the Lord hath bidden him. I would remind you, just as David was reminded, even the naughty stuff that happens, even the venom that is pointed at you, even the arrows in the providence of God will be looking at Psalm 64 and it talks about the arrows that the enemies shoot at God's people. But I want you to know God has his arrows too. If you don't stick around for a second message, at least read Psalm 64. It's only 10 verses. Well worth your time. I guarantee It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction and the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. God's going to make everything soar out in his time rather than the knee-jerk reaction of Abishai. We ought to reflect upon this. Reminds me a little bit of how in the book of Genesis, Joseph was telling about his dreams. And his brothers just hated him more 
But it interestingly says of Jacob, he observed the saying. Don't be too quick to cut somebody off. Don't be too quick to call somebody an idiot just because they have an opposing view. You just might be able to get something out of that. Now, did Shimei quit? No. Verse 13 says, he, he went along on us. So Shimei is going on the one side, throwing up rocks and kicking up dust and doing all this talk, trash talk. David had bigger matters to deal with. Bigger fish to fry, you might say. It goes on. Now the story of Shimei goes on and it's not my purpose to go beyond that for now. But I want to remind you that David resisted the easy solution to silence this naysayer. He spoke insightfully. And as I said, he was mindful of Jacob who observed the words back in Genesis 37. Let's go back to Luke again. Luke chapter 9. James and John had said, Shall we pull fire down from heaven? And smoke them. How dare they give you the cold shoulder, so to speak? Look at verse 55 and 56. The he here is Jesus. What is his response? This one greater than David is of the same mind, of course. But he turned and rebuked them and said, Do you know not what manner of spirit ye are of? Where's that coming from, James and John? Why would you want me to show wrath if you only knew the crucible I'm about to go through? That's a sermon in itself. I won't preach it now. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And let's real quickly go back to John 18. Here's Judas with a bunch of armed men to take Jesus into custody. What does Peter do? Hacks off the ear of a slave. Wow. Didn't really accomplish a whole lot, did he? Look at verse 11. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath, the cup which my Father hath given me. Shall I not drink it? While Peter said, I gotta do something! While James and John said, We gotta do something! While Abishai said, We gotta do something! Cooler heads prevail. And instead, what is God teaching us here? What does God say? What would God have us to do? And so he responded to Peter. And so I ask you, which one do you relate to? When you get in a tight, when things don't go your way, when you get bent out of shape at somebody, 
<clears throat> you come across like shitty eye, <laughs> about this and accusing that. Mad as a wet hen and getting madder all along. Or are you like Abishai? Who says, let's just deal with this right here. I can chop off his head, King. What do you say? <clears throat> or do you realize that all things work together for good to them who love God? To those who are called according to his purpose. That's Romans 8.28. A lot of us can write that off. I hope we live in it. Which one pictures you? What lesson is there here for you and for me? Now, we've been talking on Romans 8.28, but uh, I close with Romans 12.21. Paul gives an awful lot of good counsel in Romans 12. He talks about the ways we should think and feel and speak and behave. And then he sums it all up in verse 21. Be not overcome of evil. Overcome evil with good. You ever feel overwhelmed? You ever feel like you've got a target on your back? You ever get the idea that people are just trying to make a monkey out of you? Trying to trash you? You're going to lash out like Shimeon. And you're going to be one who says, let me deal with this quick my way. I can take care of this. Sure enough. Or you realize this didn't come to me out of the blue. I didn't see it coming, but the Lord sure did. Amen. Wonder why the Lord put this in my path. People will lie about you. People will snarl at you behind their behind your back. But then when they see everybody, yeah. Beware that fair weather friend. But instead of being overcome by evil, by the grace of God, may you, may I, may we all learn. To overcome evil with good. Amen. Brother, can we sing? <clears throat>